Hello, Ramblers. Chrissy Hewton is back in the game and Gunnosaurus is back in his suit. It's Wednesday, the 7th of October. I'm Jules Breach. I'm Luke Moore. And I'm Vidushin Hunter-Raja. It's the middle of the week. Us three back together. It's been a while, boys. How are you both? Yeah, very well, thank you. Pretty yeah. good. Yeah. yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I um, thought it was important to come back on the show as quickly as possible after the slander <laughs> against my name on Monday. What happened? Just Kate Mason said that I'm ducking her. Oh, yeah. The weekend's result. Yeah. I, I think th- you were. I think I think um, when you when you when you witness a result like that at the weekend, and then one side of the fence steps up and the other one doesn't, questions are going to be asked. I genuinely had friends of mine um, messaged me yesterday morning saying, "Vish, is everything all right? I heard you want on the ramble." As if I'd pulled out last <laughs> you, minute. Well, you did leave the WhatsApp group. Well, I mean, temporarily. <laughs> I, that was a great move, by the way. <laughs> you know, you've got to do what you got to do. People, you know, Kate Mason was saying I was ducking her. You know, I just had other things to do. Yeah. I mean, like we're probably on again soon together. When is she next on? I'm not sure. Uh, tomorrow? I uh, know. Uh, next, uh, next, next week. week. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I am busy. All of that. <laughs> is that right? Yeah. <laughs> one day. You, one day to me, you can get any work right. you have earlier. <laughs> don't tell <laughs> them. That. Don't tell them that on here. <laughs> Looking at all the crazy results so far this season, United beating Brighton's biggest upset so far, Vic. Yeah. <laughs> also. Good. Can I just say, Jules, like leaving the WhatsApp group with your main United fan is not a sustainable strategy because I don't think it's going to get any better, mate. <laughs> Who put him back in it, by the way? Uh, me. I have to. I'm the admin, obviously. Yeah. I get all the admin oh, jobs. You should have left him out for a bit longer, made him sweat. Like six months? Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, don't get me wrong. By the time I got readmitted, they'd scored, Spurs scored a fourth. <laughs> <laughs> and I did think about the fifth. Maybe I should go now. I definitely should have gone after the sixth. Um, but now I'm still here. Oh, well, I'm glad to be here. What can yeah. I say? We're glad it's Wednesday now. Fish. Football moves quick. Don't yeah, worry exactly. Well, yeah. speaking of that United result, it was, <laughs> I mean, since then, there's been so much talk with the transfer window closing, with the signings they've brought in, Cavani being probably one of the highlights in terms of Did you really need a player like him? There are reports now that Manchester United have made contact with Maurizio Pochettino to become the new manager. What do you make of this, Vish? Do you think there's any truth in it? Um, It definitely wasn't planted by me. (laughs) (laughs) Like I said, yeah, it's Wednesday now, a few days since May United. um, Football moves quickly. So we're going to lead the show today by talking about (laughs) May United, (laughs) Vish. Well, when I went on my, um, when I had my little tiff a couple of weeks ago, um, that was, you know about um, Solskjaer not being the man for the job that was with the, I suppose you know something that I said with the idea that there would be people to bring in one of those would be Pochettino the other one being Allegri um, and Pochettino has been around for basically ever since he left the Spurs job he's been someone who United have um, been constantly linked with and I think the 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 important thing here is to if we can equate it to what Manchester United have done with Jadon Sancho um the quest for Jaden Sancho, the reason it, there was so much put on it is because this is the best shot United have of getting Jaden Sancho. Because when it comes to the next time around and you know the end of next the end of this season, more teams are going to be in for him. But this was United's chance to really go at him. Um, and his price will only go up. Yeah, exactly. And that was kind of the same thing with Pochettino because a lot of other clubs were pretty settled in a way, especially when Chelsea nailed their colours to the mask with Lampard. And there is a, a bit of a fear now, I, I'm, I'm gauging, that... You know, when enough of the season goes through and enough teams start looking at their own house, suddenly there might be some other vacancies that Pochettino might want to take. Yeah, and and the the problem the problem in opposition, I think there's two issues at Man United that you can broadly um, kind of section off. One is that 
the hierarchy is, is a mess, right? And so we, we know about the, the fact that there's no real um, sporting director there to speak of, of any kind of note. And we know that the the, the first team's a mess because Vish and I would say that, um, that the coach is probably out of his depth, right? So they're the two problems. And when you talk about Solskjaer not being good enough or the players not being coached properly or the performance they put in against Spurs, it is legitimate to say that the coach isn't good enough. It's not an excuse for the coach to then say, well, the hierarchy is not good enough either. So for Man United fans, some of whom have got the word Solskjaer in their, in their Twitter usernames, um, literally, will say, well, it's not Solskjaer's fault. Well, my answer to that is it is partly Solskjaer's fault because the, the, the way to look at it, I believe, is that if you're going to stick to this system and the Glazers and the hierarchy at Man United have shown that they don't have any real pressing need to change it by... by by what we've seen so far, right? Um, then you might as well just go and get the best coach you can. Go and get the best coach you can because if you can persuade a, a top coach like Pochettino to, to, to work under those circumstances, then you should actually absolutely do that because that's a massive upgrade on Solskjaer. But the problem is, we I think Pochettino will have been out of work a year next month. Yeah, November so, he was sacked. Yeah, right, yeah. So he's clearly not going to... Um, He's not, he's not someone who's jumping into jobs. He, he clearly wants to curate his own career properly. And I think he probably should do that because managers in, in, in the modern game um, find it pretty easy to, to fall off the perch and, and never really rated the same way again. Um, and so maybe um, he's not going to be persuaded to work at Man United under that current environment, which I, I kind of do. I kind of respect, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, that is absolutely spot on there because it's not just the case that if, if there is a vacancy... You offer to Pochettino, and he's going to say yes. Um, bear in mind that one of the one of the main issues he had at Spurs, and certainly something that drove him to the end of his tether, was the inability to refresh their squad and do it effectively. He would have a list of players that he wanted to get, and Daniel Levy wouldn't play ball. Um, conversely, at Manchester United, they identify someone in Sancho. They spend two months, you know, briefing everyone about how they're going to get him, and then it's on the last day of the transfer window. Mm. It all comes crashing down, or rather, they have to kind of admit that they're not getting anywhere and they miss that opportunity. So in that regard, you know, is Pochettino going to look at that and think, well, I mean, their house is a complete mess above, you know, the manager station. Well, the Would thing, I want to be involved in that? Well, the only thing going for Man United is that they're Man United, right? So so you, you talk about players like, I mean, even Edison Cavani said it yesterday, didn't he? I mean, you know, the story of his career and the fact that but Man United is a massive thing. If you could, you know, in 15 years time and you look back on your career, if you can say that you played up front for Manchester United, that is still a thing. If you can say that you manage Man United, that is also still a thing. But to me at the moment, when taking it in the round, other teams in the Premier League, other teams in Europe who are doing well and who are in better uh, positions than Man United, um, other than that, there's not really much going for them. You know, so, so uh, it's kind of interesting that you would argue that Mauricio Pochettino should go to Man United because it's a great opportunity for him to to win trophies, something that's crit- he's been criticised for in the past. But actually, when you dig down a little bit deeper, is that actually the case? I don't, I don't, I don't know if it is. I, I don't think... I, I know exactly what you mean about Manchester United still being Manchester United because I remember back in, you know, the 2010s when... Uh, you know, Manchester United was still that Manchester United. Hmm. And someone made the point that Manchester United as a brand itself will never go bankrupt, a bit like Coca-Cola. They'll always have that attraction because right. of the success they have and, and because of the I suppose, credit in the bank, uh, quite literally in this case with these owners. Um, but I don't think that carries water to the people that matter, to the people that actually want to, the people that you need to, I suppose, to continue that legacy of Manchester United. It doesn't matter to top players it doesn't matter to top managers either mm. and it doesn't actually matter to top administrators when you think of that one of United's main issues is that they probably need a director of football certainly under someone like over someone like Solskjaer 
they're not in line to get any of the, you know, defense. Ranganese probably the only person who could come in and do a decent job, but he's not going to want to take that I think, gig. I think the interesting thing with this is that what this transfer window for Manchester United has probably shown is that in terms of the signings that Manchester United have made, there seems to be a bit of a lack of direction because if you're going to be bringing in players like Cavani, it's a short-term solution, isn't it, Vish? This isn't a player who they maybe necessarily should have prioritised. Of course, he's quality and you look at his CV and you know that he's going to do a job and of course he'll get goals and he is that out and out number nine that maybe Manchester United haven't had since Lukaku left. That all makes sense, but in terms of priorities, perhaps it shouldn't have been top of Manchester United's list and this all kind of feeds into what direction are Manchester United going in after the this summer window you can't really see it still and I think that that seems to be the issue and where Pochettino then comes into this is I think that what it would do for Manchester United fans and you could probably tell me better Vish but I think that if Pochettino was the manager at Manchester United perhaps fans would maybe start to believe that there was a certain direction that the team were going in and maybe that would be the start of it. I know he spoke to Melissa Reddy recently on Between the Lines and he spoke very openly about where he wanted that next challenge to be. And for him, he said he felt that he wanted to work somewhere where he felt personally invested in the club and its people. And I think that that almost sounds to me like he wants a project in a way, similarly to what he had with Spurs, where he took them from a certain level and took them a lot higher than maybe people were expecting in in that period of time. And obviously we all know how it all ended at Tottenham, but I feel like with Manchester United, it does seem like the perfect fit, albeit I'm not really sure what Manchester United fans would prefer right now. Would they prefer Ole to stay and maybe work more on the signings being brought in or would they want a manager change? Well, it's that that age-old conundrum of it's easier to get rid of one man than five players and then bring five <coughs> players in. So if you look at what Pochettino did specifically at Southampton as well, when he took them to eighth, I think that's still their highest Premier League finish, isn't it? Um, he raised the game of players who didn't know they could reach that level above. And, and that kind of manifested itself in Morgan Schneiderlin moving on and Ward Prowse, I suppose, eventually playing for England and stuff like that. Um, but with... <laughs> With the squad that United have now, there is a lot of talent there. I, you know, I, I don't buy the fact that they're suddenly all NAF players and we've, we've got to get rid of yeah, them. Yeah, no way. Know? And I think Pochettino is someone who, as you saw also with Spurs, that he came in and he just he just put a bit of maturity in those players, a bit of discipline as well. I think the, the most disheartening thing about what happened in the second half of that Spurs game, and apologies to listeners who are probably bored of, of <laughs> hearing about this game, but... One of the one of the most jarring things was the lack of discipline, and that kind of manifested itself in the way that Luke Shaw took out. Um, I think it was Lucas Moura, wasn't it? Yeah, with that it was. disgraceful tackle. Um, that didn't look like a, a you know players who wanted to not necessarily play for a manager, but they weren't fearful of what he might of, of, of any kind of um, you know shouting at or issue that he might have with with their display. And I think Pochettino will bring in that gravitas. But then at the same time, you know, it, it's not a. It's important to say that this isn't going to suddenly fix all of. United's issues from the top down, but it will be if, if you know the owners are going to be as they are, then they'll need someone who's a bit stronger beneath them, and that is Pochettino. I think. Look, let's get it absolutely right. At the top level, when you beat when you're beating six one at home, it's a watershed moment. The same way that Liverpool were beaten heavily by Aston Villa, that's a watershed moment for them. What they're going to do? What they're going to do to arrest the decline in, in intensity and performances they've experienced since around February time. Now, they had the results to get over the line and win the Premier League, but close watchers of Liverpool will know that the intensity has not been as good since around February time. And, you know, clearly, you know, COVID has been 
bit like a fog of war, kind of obscuring everyone's kind of critical assessment of things, and that's understandable. But the same thing happened when Southampton were beaten by less than nine nil. I mean, there was a big summit, and and they they made the decisions they made, and it looks like they made the right decision. The point I'm making is that decisions have to be made when these things happen, particularly the manner of the defeat they they, they suffered at home to, to Tottenham. I feel like this Pochettino news. It's just part of the dance around the club because they're in a massive moment. And the reason they're in a massive moment is because they've lost um, heavily. They've not performed well since the start of this season. And they're about to embark upon a very tough period of fixtures where they're not going to really come up for breath until they play West Brom at home towards the end of November. The next six weeks, seven weeks or so, they've got some astonishingly tough games. Mm. We're going to learn a lot about them in a couple of weeks when they go to Newcastle because that could go either way. Uh, and if it goes one way, it's not going to get any easier for Man United fans and for the club for, for the foreseeable future. And then they're going to have a really big decision to make because if they get to the Everton game, it, it's sort of first week in November away from home and they lose that and they've been on a terrible run, which has essentially by then torpedoed their Champions League aspirations because they'll play three Champions League games, I think, mm. as well. Um, they're going to be a big, in big, big trouble. So they've got to pick their way through this, this, this period really, really carefully. Mm. And I wonder if the Pochettino link... Is kind of just part of that. Maybe it's leaked out, it's got out that they've made some kind of tentative approach because they're assessing their options. We don't know, but I think it's all part of the dance. I do find it all fascinating though, Vish, because the end of last season, they were the best team in the Premier League, you'd say. They had the best run of form, unbeaten, post-lockdown till the end of the season. So how much can really change between the end of the Premier League season, them getting to the Europa League semi-finals, crashing out in that game, and then coming back... like? I don't understand how so much can change in that space of time because this is the same group of players bar a couple of additions coming. I just don't, I don't get how so well, much it's volatile, but It's volatile because Solskjaer's not got a handle on it. I mean, Vish, I don't want to put words in your mouth, Fish, but a while ago you were saying, Man United and Man United, they're going to beat average teams a lot because they've got a lot of good players and that's going to be enough for them, right? Yeah, it's yeah. when they come under the pressure and, and the way they reacted, particularly in the second half against Spurs, as you've already said, it's it's very very indicative of the fact that he's not got a handle on it. You know, people always people say you know a blind squirrel will occasionally find a nut, right? <laughs> Solskjaer will find a lot of nuts because he's got a lot of great squirrels helping him find them. But is we will, this, we, will we will pay good money for that squirrel? Where, this, yeah. <laughs> this, <laughs> two months. this metaphor's already broken down, but I think you know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> yeah, I, I think one of um, one of Solskjaer's um, main strengths is that he's a good motivator. He's very personable. And I think that manifests itself in, in two different ways. You will get players playing for you, but you will also get players who think, right, we can probably just coast a bit under this. This guy's a nice guy. 100%. Um, and I think with... Uh, They've hired the, comment, the Clive Tilsley commentary from the 99 Champions League final to manage Man United. Basically, yeah. yeah. Um, and now United don't always <laughs> score. And but, Solskjaer has fucked it. That's what I should be saying. <laughs> but the, uh, you know, from a, from a personal point of view for Solskjaer, he's going to find out a lot about these players because he knows he's... It, Solskjaer has always been able to um, sleep well at night knowing that he's well-liked by these players. And now over the next couple of weeks, over the next five weeks of these fixtures, he's going to find out if they actually respect him. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I think I already know the answer, but we'll find out for sure. Yeah, let's move on and talk about Chrissy Hewton. He's back in management and uh, I, for one, am absolutely delighted. One of your faves. He is one of my faves. He's an absolute... Lovely fellow. Legend. He? He's honestly one of the nicest people in football you mm. can meet. And I'm I'm not just saying that being a Brighton fan and for everything he did for the club. He genuinely is one of the nicest people you can come across in football. Um, and he is now the new Nottingham Forest boss. And mm. you know what? I'm not surprised to see him in this role. He also similarly to what we were just saying about Pochettino. 
after he was sacked from Brighton, I, I spoke to him because we come across each other in the same workplace at the Premier League where he's come in to do some media work. And he said to me, you know, I'm I'm going to wait until there's a job that I really want to take. I'm not just going to jump in and take any job. And, and he'd had offers at that stage when I spoke to him last year and had turned them down. So he's been waiting for the right job for him. And with Nottingham Forest, he obviously sees that there is, there is certainly something that he can achieve with this group of players. It's been so interesting to see Nottingham Forest start to this season because they've played four matches in the league. They've lost every single one of those games and couple of those games that you look at they should have won Mm. Uh, when you look at the the type of players that they have in comparison to to the teams they've lost to but also Sabri Lamucci uh, the previous Nottingham Forest manager made 12 signings this summer 12 signings Mm. which is a crazy amount of players to bring in so it seems as though there was obviously something going on there because the club have allowed him to bring in 12 new players to the club the the start to the season has been so poor Obviously, they fell off a cliff at the end of last season, but it really is sliding doors for Nottingham Forest. You know, the matter of one goal last season could have seen them in the playoffs and then who knows what would have happened. Yet they come into this season under the same manager, a whole host of new players, more than a squad full of new players, and they've lost every single game. So I'm not surprised to see Lamucci go, but there is obviously something that Chris Hewton can see that he can work on with this club. And I'm fascinated to see how it goes. Yeah, I think I think the, the short answer might well be that Sabri Lamucci wasn't <clears throat> in charge of signing those players. I think that's probably part of it. I think it's 13 players as well. 13 yeah, now, is there? Yeah. Well, I missed one. I read yesterday that they've made 70 signings in three years. <sighs> so, I yeah. mean, look, I'll come into detail on that in a, in a little bit, but I, I would first of all like to say that this is the biggest job outside the Premier League. I mean, if you look at the size of the club, you look at their history, you look at what they've been trying to do for such a long time now, uh, and and they are historically. Some people may care more about that than others, but for me, it's important. I think historically, they're a, they're a top level club. They're a top tier club. So this is the biggest job outside the Premier League, right? Chris Hewitt's record in the Championship is unreal. Mm. Four seasons, I think it is two, four top four finishes. Yep. I think all the fours. Um, he's got promoted with Newcastle and Brighton, as we know. Um, I think he took Birmingham to the playoffs, didn't he? He's yeah. done an excellent job yeah. in that division um, in the past. But I mean, before I get into Lamucci, I mean, we should say. You know, that's, it's not a magic formula. I mean, you look at what, what managers who've got good reputations have tried to do with Sunderland and not better do it. Kenny Jackett's got an amazing reputation of getting teams out of League One, not better to do it at Portsmouth. Under huge pressure there, and probably will probably lose his job if I, if I was a betting man. Um, I would say that he'd probably lose his job. So it's not it's not a magic formula. So it's not that Chris Hewitt's going to be parachuted in and go, right, it's going to be fine, we're going to get yeah. to the Premier League. Yeah. Because the club is in such a mess. The recent results have been abysmal. As you alluded to, Lamucci's biggest challenge was getting that group of players to respond after that ridiculous turnaround on the final day of the season. He hasn't been able to do it. They've lost Matty Cash to Aston Villa. Mm. Um, Lewis Graben and Joe Lolly have, have gone off a cliff. Um, Jao Carvalho, their record signing, I think has now left the club after being made to train with the reserves for however long it was. Um, there was talk that that wasn't even Lamucci's decision as well. There's been a lot of interference, apparently. They've got so many players that you wonder whether Chris Hewton has got the environment around him to be able to succeed here. But I understand why he's taken the job because I say it's, it's an absolutely gigantic, gigantic job. I am quite fearful for him in, in a lot of ways. A lot of them that um, Luke underlined there. And also that um, I saw a stat yesterday that Lamucci is the first Nottingham Forest manager since the 2010-11 season to start and finish a season. Yeah. Which is astonishing, really. Um, wow. And also... You know, off the back of what you were saying about him being a really nice guy, um, 
obviously that that's just his persona and his professional um persona will be a bit more oh god as a coach nosed. no yeah. absolutely as a coach he he gets a lot of respect from his players certainly. but i suppose that that's i mean that's not the issue at Forest, is it? It's um, Maranakis is, you know, there's a story of um, that pre-season Zoom meeting where mm. he comes on and just lays into the players and lays into the team. While the manager's on the court. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I just think that kind of interference isn't good. And bear in mind, like, if we look back to, you know, nine months ago, Forest fans were like, right, this is it. This is, we're, we're finally getting our time here. They were in the playoff spots from from Christmas, I think, right the way to that last yeah. day of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it just it just kind of fell apart, and you, it was interesting. I kind of scoured Twitter yesterday and this morning for Forest fans um, and for their opinions, and a lot of them were wishing Lamucci well, and even the ones that weren't were like, "God, we're coming back into this spiral now." And that's that's you know no disrespect on Hewton's name, but I think there's an element of God. Here we go again, um, and I think. If you, if um, Chris Hutton does see out the season, I think he should probably consider that a success beyond whatever yeah. he's able to do with the side. Well, I think I think from Chris Hutton's point of view, and George, you know him better than I do. I've met him a few times. Lovely fella. Um, clearly a, a good coach at that level, obviously. But his first job is going to be working for all those players and finding a team. And 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 also the problem is, you know, you know, with with what's happening with the football league generally, it's very hard to move those players on. You know, I mean, mm. who's going to buy them? You know, it's not easy just to sell them like it perhaps would be a year or so ago. But he's, but he's also got a, probably a calculated thing here where he thinks, well, do you know what? Forrest have tried to do this for years and they've never been able to do it. And as Vicious already said, it's a shit show there. So am I really going to be blamed if in six months I get fired? Probably won't hurt his reputation. But on the upside, if he can pull it off, he's a legend. And, and Nottingham is an incredible place and the Forest fans are mad for it. Really, really mad. And, and I wonder also whether he might get a good start because those fans are also quite demanding. If they're not going to be in the stadium, might give him a bit of a boost um, to kind of get his work done, a bit of breathing space and, and do it that way. So on, on one hand, it's a really, really tough job. On the other hand, you know, is it a free hit? Not quite, but it's in that kind of area. I think, though, that Chris Hutton's a very intelligent man. And like I said already, he's been waiting for the right job. There's absolutely no doubt in my mind that he wouldn't have taken this role if he hadn't spoken to the board, spoken to the people that run the club and known that there is a group of people there that he can work with and and try and make a success. Chris Hutton hasn't jumped into any job since he was sacked by Brighton. He was linked with because, Bristol City for a while, yeah, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. He was linked with Watford as well mm. last year, wasn't he? Right, and, okay. and he hasn't jumped into those jobs because there's obviously been something about them that obviously didn't feel quite right for him. He also wants to be a success. He wants to be managing back in the Premier League. He wants to be managing a top flight club and that's where he should be for the, the quality and the experience he has. So... I have no doubt in my mind that he's taken this job because he knows that this is a club that he thinks he can make a success of. What I think is a really positive thing, and you touched on it then, Luke, is that Nottingham Forest have acted pretty quickly on this in terms of the start of the season. I never like to see managers you know, lose their jobs early into a season. But the one positive thing in, in terms of Chris Hewton rather than the Lamucci side of things is that Forest have acted quickly. Chris Hewton now comes in pretty much from the start of the season. He comes in when the the domestic transfer window is still open. So you talk about that movement of players, Luke. Mm. There is going to be possibility that perhaps some players could Who's going to buy him now? Yeah, I know. That is the issue. Mm. But at least he still has this two weeks where there's an international break now. The transfer window is still open. There will be some movement, I imagine, within this squad in some way, whether it's ins or outs. And then 
it's almost like a fresh start when we come back after the international break for Chris Hutton and this Forest side, I think. Yeah. The other thing I didn't mention, which is probably relevant, is that they looked a bit one-dimensional to me as well under Lamucci. They kind of played in a certain way. They weren't really capable of doing much else. And I wonder whether they just got worked out a bit at the start of this season. And Hutton is quite one-dimensional mm. in terms of how he likes to play. Yeah. You know, he's not known as a really flexible kind of coach I wouldn't have said maybe that's a bit unfair on him but I think that's accurate I think that's so, fairly that's, I think that's accurate you know that's that's yeah. pretty much so why he eventually went as the Brighton manager because yeah. I think they, they got a bit fed up of it's a different challenge in the Premier League when you're in totally. that position though isn't yeah. it yeah. So it's an exciting point for Forrest I think they should be excited to, to, to have a manager of his pedigree who at that level yeah, he doesn't don't need to say our word for it. I mean, he's he's done the business. He's shown that he can do it. So whether he's got the environment to succeed is another story, but we'll find out. Last I just don't want to see a sad Chris Hewitt. I know no, me either. Honestly, he's, Fish, he's me got too. the worst. He's got the worst sad face. You yeah, know, like Terry Connor. Yeah, I thought oh. you mean yeah. Terry Connor. He looked, ha- looked haunted after yeah. a while. You oh. know, when he was linked with the Watford job, I had that fear then because I thought, oh god, if he takes this Watford job, yeah, this could end badly he's because we know what happens him. to Watford managers and. Like you, I don't want to see a. a he wants to be managed, though, Jules. You can't. A caged bird doesn't sing as sweetly. No, of course not. <laughs> he wants to be doing what he wants no, to be I'm doing. No, I'm glad he's taking this job. I bet Chris Hewitt's got a great voice. I, I bet he's got a great singing yeah. voice as well. You yeah. reckon? Well, but yeah. Pete Donaldson was once so excited about New, about Chris Hewitt and Newcastle, which of course he is a club he got promoted as I mentioned, that he. Uh, claimed that even Chris Hutton's hair was going black and white in tribute. <laughs> and that's how much he cared about the club. So he's loved wherever he goes. He is. And you know what? Last time Forrest hired a previous Brighton manager, Brian Clough. Oh, there we go. Oh. Yeah. There so no, go. no pressure on him whatsoever. <laughs> no pressure whatsoever, <laughs> Chrissy Hutton. Yeah. But I am so pleased to see There'll him be back a statue in there. There'll be a statue there. <laughs> Can we put on record, though, if Nottingham Forest hurt one hair on that man's head, we'll, yeah. we'll, it will be held to yeah. black or white hair. Yeah. yeah. Great. He's, got, we'll he's, he's, more, he's more greying now. Remember that Newcastle, yeah. he had... Don't like, have a dig. He's just got a new all right, job. sorry. He All looks right. lovely. He looks fine. He looks great. He looks very distinguished. And yeah. he's always wearing a suit on the sidelines, isn't he? Chrissy H. Top man. Love it. All right, let's take a break. After this, we'll read your emails and talk Gunnosaurus back in a job. Hi, I'm Jermaine Defoe, and this is the Football Ramble. Oi, oi. JD. JD. Is he moving the transfer window? No. Is he still at Rangers? No. I'd have to check. No, I'm not sure. <laughs> Fish, never ask questions like that on the show that you don't know the answer to. Hey, yeah, you knew Jermaine Defoe was coming up there, Luke. Did I didn't. You, did you make those? I didn't know that, no. Did you not? It's it always a surprise them. to me as well. Jermaine Defoe still is at Rangers, apparently. Um, but I think Pete makes them. Oh, okay. He's, he's doing it as a deflection tactic because he hasn't done his email jingle yet. <laughs> <laughs> keeps keeps promising, making promises he can't keep on the email front. Speaking of emails, show at footballramble.com. We love hearing from you guys. Robert Peacock has emailed in, Luke, on the subject of things shouted at football matches. Oh, yeah. He says, hi, I'm a semi-pro referee in Scotland. Is that a thing? <laughs> Is that a thing? I don't know. It's a jo- if it, every, it, there was a job you wouldn't want to do, surely it's, surely it's that. <laughs> so I guess he means he gets paid. Because, I mean, I'm not being out of order to Robert and I will get to the, the meat of his email in a minute but if you play Sunday League and you get a referee I mean they get paid does yeah. that make them semi-pro referees? Yeah, that's what it does. So. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'd, fine. I'd call yeah. myself a semi-pro footballer if I played at that level. I'd call, you, I'd call you a semi-pro <laughs> broadcaster, Jules. Oh! <laughs> oh, Dean! He is dug 
deep, Bevish. <laughs> Go on, read the email. Let's I'll, see if you fuck this up. I'm going <laughs> to regret that, aren't I? At some point, I'm going to regret that. Um, Maybe you enunciate a bit more. Look up when you speak. Sorry, yeah, I will, yeah. I've, I've not been doing this very long. Um, Robert says, the best thing I've had shouted at me during a game happened I after... I really hope I... you mess this up. <laughs> <laughs> happened after I arrived back from holiday in Spain. After a lovely week in the sun, I had developed a good tan, which clearly looked out of place in the grey Scottish winter. During the game, I awarded a throw-in to a team around the halfway line. No big deal, you think, but someone from the crowd in the finest Glaswegian accent shouted, Oh, fuck off, you sunbed twat. (laughs) (laughs) Hilarious and personally tailored of an insult. Of course, I didn't feel it was the right time or place to correct him on the authenticity of my tan. All the best, Robert. Now, that is a shame because... He's gone and got that. Um, he's gone and got that tan on holiday. Now, as as someone else once said, you know, I can't take credit for this tan. The sun did most of the work, <laughs> but he has got an authentic one there, and it's not a sunbed one. And so I feel a little bit sorry for Robert. In I'm situation. jealous. I want someone to shout that at me because it means I'd be really brown. I've I've not got a holiday tan this year, Vish. I'm gutted. Yeah, yeah, I mean, she's the real victim of this. Pandemic. Yeah, yeah, I, know, yeah. I, realize, yeah. <laughs> I really am. I need a tough up as well. Actually. No apologies <laughs> for me. That. Yeah, you can't really, you can't really argue your case, can you? Like, well, no, no, no. This is this is a genuine tan. Pull out, pull out your boarding pass. Yeah. Oh, have a look at that, mate. What does that sound? It, eh? <laughs> Booking with one hand and boarding pass in the other. Spain, yeah. Malaga. Yeah, Malaga. Oh, they scored. <laughs> Concentrate on the game, Robert, for goodness sake. Um, the, the, um, I think the, the guys will probably cover this in detail tomorrow, but I think the, the leader of the Scottish Conservatives is running the line oh, I heard in that. the England v Wales yeah, game tomorrow. what's that all about? Right? Yeah, I don't know. You'll find that tomorrow. Tune in tomorrow. Mm. The, the, team, the team will tell you all about it, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, Richard Thomas has also emailed in saying, Hello all, Everton versus Coventry, 97-98. Fan shouted to Gordon Strachan, who jumped off his bench to question a tackle. Sit down, Strachan, you Bay City roller. <laughs> it's one for the teenagers. That's even too old for me to remember. I had to Google Bay City rollers. Um, what did you find? 70s kind of boy like a boy yeah. band type thing. Yeah, yeah. Interesting that stuff about them uh, being the biggest group since the Beatles, according <laughs> to many. Born 18, 20. Yeah. Um, Gordon Strachan around that time. From uh, Edinburgh as well. Sorry, I didn't know that. And you're one of Edinburgh's finest alumni. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Gordon Strachan around that time. So that's the, that's the year after he retired and became, was he player manager or just manager of Coventry? But he had an amazing playing career, Gordon Strachan. And then obviously went on and, and became a promising manager for a while. Never really kind of did an awful lot. I don't think he, I don't think he, he won an awful lot as a manager um, outside, of, outside of Celtic. But um, the one thing that we've always forgotten about Strachan is that he is absolutely eviscerated over and over again in Alex Ferguson's first autobiography where he says, I wouldn't trust him as far as I can throw him. And he just goes, he just absolutely goes to town on the poor little fella. And I, I feel quite sorry for him because back in the day, if you remember, he used to do quite good post-match interviews, quite yeah, witty did, yeah. and can have a quick word with you, Gordon, velocity. It's a great, it's a great comeback. Maybe... Maybe Ferguson meant that as a compliment because Strachan is so small, you could throw him quite far. And maybe he did trust him a lot, but he knew he could throw him further. I don't think he did trust him. And I think he also would have liked to have thrown him, <laughs> basically. You don't get many Gordons nowadays, do you? No. Would you, I mean, it's would a you, name that's You can't name a baby extinct. Gordon. No. Can Why you? not? How would you react if you, you went to visit your friend's baby for the first time and they said <laughs> that his name was Gordon? Gordon. <laughs> Do you know what? This happened quite recently. Um, one of my mates had a baby and texted the WhatsApp group saying, everyone, like, baby girls arrived and, and wrote the name. And the name was Oral, O-R-A-L. <laughs> and then, like, on side WhatsApp groups, everyone was like, what the hell? What? Like, they, they called their child is it, is, it o- is it Opal or something? <laughs> yeah, they spelled it wrong. It's Orla. 
Orla. Which okay. is a totally normal name, but everyone, yeah. for no that one wanted is, to yeah. say anything because you can't dish Ch- your mate for naming a baby well, what will, they call it, can you? I will dish your mate for this. Right? Go on. Check the own name yeah. you've spelt in your WhatsApp well, group fair, of your firstborn child. It's a tiring time, Luke. True, It was actually, a long yeah. labour, so we'll, yeah. we'll let him off. But fair enough. Yeah, God, yeah, you don't get many baby Gordons, though. I'd quite well, like to see a baby Gordon. If your go- name is Gordon... Gordy. And you're under the age of 25. Email him. <laughs> oh, I, I, actually, I went to uni with a guy called Gordon. Yeah. How, how old would he be now? He's, he'd be 34 So now. what have I just said? Under yeah. the age of 25. Right. 34 means he'd have been born in 1986. Yeah. In the 80s, people are being called Gordon, aren't they? It's the I 80s. Don't, I don't think there's that, there were that many of my generation called Gordon. Although my, one of my best mates has um, just had a daughter and called uh, Winnie Fred. Oh, that's quite cute, Winnie. Yeah, it is. Winnie, yeah. Winnie, yeah, yeah, that's all right. Because yeah. you get to that point where... Names old, get recycled, Oh, yeah, exactly, don't they? exactly. Mm. Yeah. So you get like an Archie or an Artie or an Archie's Arthur. a good name. Archie's yeah. a great name. Jack, Jack Wilshire's son's called Archie. Well, I there think, you go, yeah. Oh, cute. Yeah. All right, enough about baby he's names. Not got club, he's not got a club either. <laughs> um, no, domestic transfer winner. We talked about it a minute ago with regards to Forest. So it is still open and there's still a few players that have been linked with clubs that could still potentially make a move. October the 16th is when the domestic window closes. So the likes of Saeed Ben Rama at Brentford, Todd Cantwell at Norwich, Ismail Assar has been linked with Manchester United, are all being touted. Also, Danny Welbeck, just a couple of days ago, uh, terminated his contract with Watford. So he could be on the move. How many of these do you think are likely to happen? I mean, I think the Sar to United one's quite interesting, Vish, because, I mean, we talked about it already. This isn't really where United need to strengthen with a player like Sar, but would you like to see that happen? I don't think that's a good move for Sar. Imagine saying that about a bloke who's playing the championship. No, no, I don't think Fish, it is. Fish's face there was amazing. No, he's I don't think so he's so browbeaten in like such a short amount of time. He's not going to play. No, yeah, but he's so too good. You're not. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're not wrong. He could pull a Sanchez, wouldn't he? Bloody hell, he's clowns. <laughs> Join the circus. Like, he's here. not going to play, and I think he's go a, get the piano. He's a decent player that should be playing football matches. He could go to a different Premier League I club and right. actually start every game. I think he should be on. going to United and sitting on the bench. I know, but we don't. Need him, and we like doing that kind of stuff. We're like yeah. fucking demented sparrows picking up anything shiny <laughs> yeah. on our little nest. Isn't that a magpie? Whatever. Do you, think a, do you think a magpie is a demented sparrow? <laughs> it's a completely different species of bird. Sp- sparrows not collect shiny things I, either. I think it's magpies. Magpies look pretty good with his animal knowledge. I, I, yeah. I, I might not. You know I might birds. be wrong. I might be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you are properly old, aren't you? You like that yeah. kind of shit. Birds, yeah. bird spying and bird spying. You've turned into a twitcher. That's what they're called, twitchers. I've got an RSPB book of birds on my kitchen windowsill. Avian pervert. What an absolute loser. I think I think one of the players who no one is talking about who could command the move to a Premier League side and immediately improve them on a creativity front is Emi Buendia at Norwich City. Now, he's been, I think yeah. he's been linked to sides in Turkey. Did he get into United's Bache. side? Yeah. You know what? He he could do a lot better than United. He is, he is that good. I think his stats last season, he was up there with Kevin De Bruyne in terms of creating chances from open play. He's a brilliant yes. player. I don't know why more, play, more teams aren't looking at him because if there's one thing teams lack, you know, Saeed Ben Rama will obviously improve players. I'm not entirely sure about Todd Canwell. I think he he needs a bit of nursing into being properly consistent Premier League standard. Buendia was one of the standout players for Norwich City. And I know he signed quite a big deal before their Premier League season. So in the summer of 2019. So he might cost a bit more money, but... I think he's worth paying for. I think he's he's the best value player in that division in the championship yeah. right now. And um and Daniel Farker was pretty kind of blase about um Ben Godfrey leaving for Everton. Yeah. I, I heard an interview with him where he said, Oh, you know, he leaves with our best wishes, we're really pleased for him. So I'm not sure I really want to be hearing that. I understand the the, the the dynamic at play and the fact that the player wants to achieve in his career, but you could probably 
dampen that down a little bit and say, look, we're really disappointed as well. So what I'm trying to say is I wonder whether Farker would even stand in his way. Um, well, he said, uh, so uh, Buendia and Cantwell haven't been playing the last few games hmm. and he brought back Buendia. He said, I think he had a press conference after the weekend and he said, there's, don't look too much into that. It was just the way that things, the way the cards have fallen. But with Buendia, I think there was a sense that, right, he's going to move on. But he played him because he was like, he's that good that it'd be foolish for us not to play him. If there's no, there was no issue between the manager and the player. I wonder if there's a, I wonder if there's a disconnect between the the uh, the kind of appraisal of some of these Norwich players in the commentariat and exactly how much influence and how good they are. Because I mean, I'm not suggesting that you're you're wrong on this, Fish, because I think Brendan is a good player as well. But around the middle of last season, people were talking about how Norwich was so good and their players were so great that if they if they if they got relegated, every single player would be off straight away. And it's kind of not manifested itself really at all. Well, no, I don't think I don't think that was ever going to be the case, though, because part of the understanding was that they were going to play that way and, and be a bit more open. But knowing that they were almost consolidating to go again and have a more sustained period in the championship, sorry, yeah. in the in the Premier League, having used this championship season to go back up, yeah. uh, that seemed to be the understanding, certainly from Farkas point of view as well. Hence why he, he was never really under pressure, despite the fact that Norwich were relegated in March, basically. And, and I know that. Um the guys touched on this kind of briefly yesterday, but in, in a little bit more depth, have you seen the list of free agents that Pitt play that's still available? I know, I know Mario Gertz is probably about to go to PSV based on what I read this morning, but there's a lot of good players around. I mean, Nathaniel Klein, Daniel Sturridge, Danny Welbeck, as you mentioned, Wilshire, question marks over his fitness, fair enough. Pato, Alex Pato, um, Hatem Benafa, Fabio Barini, Mario Mandzukic, Antonio Valencia, there's loads of players out yeah, there. Yeah, Sonogo. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> Stephen DeFort, John Flanagan. And, and what it does is it shows the kind of fickle fate of football. Oh, Flanners. Right? Well, Flanagan was held out. What were they calling him at Liverpool? Calling him the, the Scottish Cafu or something. Is he <laughs> even Scottish? I don't know. I might have made that up. <laughs> something about Cafu. Um, Two lies in that, isn't there? <laughs> He's like a demented sparrow. <laughs> Just picking up wingers. Um, but um, there's a lot of point. There's a lot of players around there. And, 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 and if you think, particularly when you look at the triumvirate of Daniel Star is Danny Welbeck and Jack Wilshire. Yeah. These are players who were seen, and I don't think it's a stretch to say, were seen as key players for England mm. not that long ago. Jack Wilshire was seen as this, this football player in the midfield that you could rest your hopes on. Danny Welbeck performed better for his country than he did for his club. Uh, and, and Daniel Sturridge, I mean, that season at Liverpool alongside Luis Suarez, is a key player for All England. All three of those players have something in common, though. What's that? Injury. Yes, and that's, mm. that's, that's an important part of it, obviously. They, they, they have really serious injuries. In fact, uh, Pato, Ben Arthur, Barini, those three um, have all had problems with injury. So, yeah, that does tell some of the story. The, the demands on players at the very highest level are very hard physically. So that's got something I think, to do with it. I think though that the the positive on that, the fact that they are free agents though, Luke, is, is a really good point because I think clubs would maybe look at those players, knowing they're injury prone, and maybe think, Oh, do you know, what? I don't want to don't want to buy them because we don't want to spend that money on a player that will probably end up sitting on the bench for quite a few matches during a season. Hmm. But actually as free agents, it does make them that bit more appealing, Vish, doesn't it? I think that especially someone like what are you laughing I just, at? I've just checked Joe Flanagan actually got a cap for England. So I don't think he's going. <laughs> Sorry, carry on. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I think that especially with strikers, every single club can always do with another striker. You look at 
United buying Cavani. You know, it, it's that's definitely a, it's definitely a <laughs> modus operandi that, that May United subscribe to for sure. I, I think you're getting um, John Flanagan confused because his nickname I think at Liverpool is Flanny Alves. Oh, that's what it is. Yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> what and, Alves? And, and, and do you think that <laughs> Flanny? <laughs> Flanny Alves. Flanny. Do you think Edward would have, Do you think Edward would have a conversation with the Glazers and talks about strikers and goes, "Wow, well, you can never have too many, can you? you never have too many. Get, I love these. We need as many as possible. Toilet paper and strikers." <laughs> Yeah. You can see, though, that uh, someone like Danny Welbeck probably will get a move in this window, being a free agent. Can't see him. Well, not, well not... look, it depends on his wage demands, depends on the on the, on the the situation around, yeah, the finances. But if, if a team who is otherwise struggling feels like they could get 15 appearances out of him and five goals, they'll if he's free, they're going to make that, they're going to have to take that gamble, right? I think Danny Welbeck should go to the MLS. I think Danny Welbeck's time... In England, certainly the time he wants as a striker, as a main striker, as, as a focal point of the team going forward, I think that time has passed. You're shipping him off to America. Yeah, because I think he'll enjoy it there. I think he will be treated as he deserves to be treated. Well, how's as, that? As a jewel, as a crown. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, a jewel in the crown, rather. Um, yeah. I think he one of the issues of um, that Danny Welbeck found at uh, Watford was that I don't think physically he was able to maintain a, to command a, start, a starting place consistently because they had to work hard. I think Watford brought him with an idea that they were going to be an engaging attacking side as they threatened to be and really kind of come into their own as a top off side, and that just didn't come to fruition. And they were left with basically a mess on their hands where they had these creative players who they needed to turn into kind of workhorses. And that just, that's part of the reason that they are where they are now. Um, Fish, can I just interject just to ask a quick question? Con- confirmation from both of you, one way or another, is Welbs still that guy? That he is guy still, that, he, he is still that guy. Okay, he's still okay. that guy. That guy but he needs to be... <laughs> he needs to believe that he's that guy now. Yeah. And yeah. I don't think he believes it. Has he still got those hamstrings though? <laughs> <laughs> He has them hamstrings, yeah. yeah. Luke, you're too old for this. Let's move on. I know. On. I'm too old for everything, Jules, but I'm still here. I'm still here. Um, yeah. Someone who is no longer departing their club is Gonosaurus. And I'm not the only one who was sad that Jerry Key, uh, the famous mascot at Arsenal, was uh, going to be losing his job. Meza Ozil was obviously gutted by this and he tweeted yesterday saying, I was so sad that Jerry Key, I think is how you pronounce it, um, aka our famous and loyal mascot Gunnosaurus and an integral part of our club was being made redundant after 27 years. He was actually one of the, what was it, 52 members of staff that was being made redundant. Yeah. Um, as such, I'm offering to reimburse Arsenal with the full salary of our big green guy as long as I'll be an Arsenal player so that Jerry can continue his job that he loves so much. Um. That's quite sweet. Two Arsenal, isn't it? two Arsenal mascots sticking together. <laughs> I mean, that's basically what Ozil is now, isn't it? I, I love Meza Ozil, but come on. The quote, the quote also makes it sound like he believes that Gunnosaurus is like an organic living organism, like the big green guy. He doesn't understand it's a man oh, in the suit. Treat him and, like and, a human. And I've got a rather more cynical take on this, which I'll come to in a minute. Oh God, but before Luke's I, obviously going to make it. But before I do, <laughs> Go is, on. is Jerry Key? Is he Ray Parler's father-in-law? I think he is. Someone mentioned that yesterday. What? Yeah, I think, I think, I think really? he might be Ray Parler's father-in-law. Yeah, which is an amazing link. Oh, That's did incredible! He, please tell me he gave away his daughter dressed as Gonosaurus. <gasps> I, I actually, I actually know Ray, so that I could ask is him. Amazing. I could ask Go Ray on, if you text want. Text him. Get yeah. on the blower. I, I won't text him now. Yeah, you don't won't. really he, know him, do he you? Won't, he won't reply. <laughs> he won't. He won't, <laughs> he won't, he won't, he won't <laughs> reply. He won't be up. <laughs> <laughs> 
what I was going to say was you, you've, you've, you've framed that Gunnasaurus story, Jules, very fairly there and very um, positively. I'm a nice person. I think what's probably happened is Mesut Ozil took a phone call from his retained PR company sometime yesterday and said, what do you think of this idea? And he said, it sounds great. How much is it going to cost me? Yeah, okay, I'll do it. 80 grand, apparently. Vish, what do you think? 80 grand a year. So, yeah. well, that's... You know, that's a lot of money to play, pay a mascot. Yeah, it is. It is. It's not a lot of money for Mesut Ozil, though. No, I think he would. He could drop that and you know move on pretty comfortably. Yeah. Um, Am I being too cynical? No, I, I mean I just think it's. It, oh, I just think it's such bullshit. I, don't, I kind of don't really care about it. But I mean, <laughs> but, but, sorry for bringing it up. No, but Fish, you're a broadcaster. Yeah. You have to pretend to care about yeah. stuff. That's how it works. But, but it was just the way that like Arsenal set, started doing semi-serious things. You know, like you know Thomas Party. I like that. You know, good mm. signing. They seem to be building towards the right direction. And then this happens and you're like, just be a normal club for a little bit. Just try and be, you know, try and get rid of this. It's not a time for nonsense. People are, you know, the the crux of it is a, a bloke who has lost his job, in, you know, amid all that, is being saved by Mesut Ozil, who was one of the players who was openly not taking the pay cut for Arsenal. And I think actually, in a way, that Mesut Ozil's stance back then when he was asked to take a pay cut and refused has... You know, certainly at the time it was, um, you know, he was pilloried for it. But I think given that all the it's cuts... a bit more that, nuanced than what people were saying, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I think given the cuts that have happened, despite the fact that the players took a pay cut, I think it sheds a lot of light on the kind of people that are running Arsenal Football Club. And the fact that Mesut Ozil had to come out and do this, even though it's clearly a massive PR stunt, um, is uh, quite an indication of um, of where the club are at above Arteta. I feel like they've controlled everything from Arteta down and now yeah. you can have more eyes on what's going on I mean, up top. I mean, I should say, if we're going to be semi-serious for a moment, that I, I don't think that the two things are mutually exclusive. I don't think Mesut Ozil getting a good PR win and, and, and doing something quite clever and someone having their job saved, who is an important part of the culture of the club and is a bit of a, a, bit of a legend, certainly among the online fan base, they can those things can both be true. You know, it doesn't mean he's not done a good thing. You know, it's like when people say, oh, you know, giving all that money to charity because you save on the tax. Well, okay, that that is the case probably, but I'm still going to lend money to charity. I mean, it's still there's still an end game here where a lot of people benefit from this. So I, I'm not saying it's a it's a it's a purely cynical move and there's no benefit to it. Of course, I'm not. Um, but what Arsenal need to do, I think, what what Vish is is, is kind of alluding to, is that the, the top brass at Arsenal should probably look at the optics a bit more. Of that kind of stuff, particularly on, announced on the same day that they've they've signed um, a player for you know, a huge amount of money, a huge amount of money in wages as well. Um, so yeah, look, it's it's, it's a fun story. Um, good on Ozil for doing it, uh, but he benefits from it as well. Good for him. So what? I still can't get over Gunnarsson walking his daughter down the aisle. Yeah, could have happened. in the suit. Yeah, I mean, he must have done it. I, th- I think did he Gun- do the speech dressed as Gunnarsson? <laughs> what was Gunnarsson's voice like? Just a well, t-shirt cannon, isn't it? Just <laughs> fast a speech out from a cannon. Maybe that's how he gave the rings out. <laughs> I, I think. Take your baseball cap off. It's a wedding. I think Gunnarsson has, has been involved in some weddings, hasn't he? I think like that's because I know people talk about the eighty thousand, but I think he's kind of a, a year-long club ambassador. He obviously does a lot of stuff going to children's hospitals and things like that. And um, love know, that we're talking about events. him like he's a fictional thing. There's a real man in there. He is, yeah. I know, but but, but, but like the. <laughs> I, yeah, I know. Why could they just? Come? I didn't realize it had to be one person all the way through. Yeah, well, me I either. Actually, well, I I always thought mascots swapped. Well, I was going to say that like, earlier, but just, I didn't want to sound too hard. You're a mascot wherever you wherever you go. I, you know I, 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 I was one say, week you're Gunnasaurus, the next week you're the West Brom boiler. 
Yeah. <laughs> Freelancers, well, freelance yeah. mascots. I didn't yeah. want to sound too harsh, really, but I was going to say, well, couldn't they just get someone else to do it who's a bit cheaper? <laughs> you know what I mean, though? Because if you're going to save money, then, you, I don't know, it's just... Apparently, there's a, there's like the, the deep, dark world of uh, mascots, and uh, apparently some clubs used to try and bid... For the mascot, you know they do those races. Which yeah, mascot's the quickest. Cyril the Swan. The, the quickest mascot gets paid the most money. That's what I've heard. Oh, really? I've heard. I've heard that they kind of like bid for the the quickest. I remember the mascot race over the some steeple chase at some horse racing circuit, called horse racing course, and um, there was kind of a bit of a punch up between Cyril the Swan and someone else. I think <laughs> Cyril the Swan's quite larry though, isn't it? Right. Well, you break Swans your arms. Swans are evil. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Break your arm. Yeah. Be careful. I would quite like to see someone be really bad at being a mascot. I would want I want to see someone terrible doing Gunnosaurus' job, like shoot, bad, shooting how, himself in the foot with a t-shirt cannon. Oh, right. <laughs> like getting someone in the eye yeah. or, you know, just being a bit of a twat. There we go. There well, we go. Well, how can you follow that? I don't know. We're going to yeah. end now. Uh, I'm back tomorrow. <laughs> uh, I'm going to be here with Jim and Andy. Has Ray Parler texted you back yet? He hasn't. Um, but one thing I would say, shout out to Andy Brassel for being the chairman of the Residents Association, as I found out yesterday. Um, in the lovely part, in the lovely part of London that is Camberwell, Brussels stepped up and been a bit of a community leader. Stop it! So good for him. I'll I ask want him, him about that tomorrow. Yeah, ask him. Ask him about it tomorrow. I want him to um, change his Twitter bio. So the, the, <laughs> the campaign starts here. He could just have <laughs> European football expert, football ramble, and then chairman of the Residents Association in Camberwell. Oh, he's so clever, isn't he? Oh, he is. He could do everything. Andy. God's sake! Right, he's... I'll talk to him about that tomorrow. Uh, but a, right? a, a real clever person would have got out of that somehow, but he's so nice. Oh, yeah. That, you know what I mean? He's just the nicest bloke in the world, so he just he would probably just volunteer to do it. Hundred percent. Mm. Fish, you're right. Yeah, good. Because I, I kind of thought he'd he'd make a really good dad, wouldn't he, Brassel? He is, he a, is dad. a dad. Yeah, but like as in like my dad. Yeah, okay. I'm sure we can make that happen. <laughs> you want yeah. to adopt him as your dad? Yeah. yeah, that'd be quite cool. Yeah, he's older than me. I just at least start on him. <laughs> he's older than me. <laughs> All right, Luke, say bye. Goodbye. Fish. Bye. Later, guys. This was a Stakhanov production and part of the Acast Creative Network.